Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. I just want to greet you in the name of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, whose reigns over sin and death and whose presence uh, fills the whole earth. Oh, good. Now I'm starting to see some comments. That's great. Um, hey, I wanted to remind you of a couple things before we officially get started. Uh, and that is, I want to remind you that we have a Lent and Easter playlist. It's available through Apple Music and available through Spotify. Uh, the email went out last uh, Sunday. We also uh, created some Facebook posts with that. Hopefully you guys are enjoying that. Um, it's just some music curated by our team here uh, to help you worship uh, in this season. And I think that we need the art now more than ever, as many of us are uh, spending a lot of hours at home. Uh, we need good music, we need uh, good visuals, and so uh, thankful for the artists uh, out there. Just wanna to mention too, in the background behind me, um, have got our Linton cross uh, that we made on Ash Wednesday, uh, but then also, I think such an appropriate message for us in this season, uh, Melissa Poppy's painting, love is greater than fear. And so um, have that in the background. So the Easter Lent and Easter playlist. Also want to remind you that there is giving uh, available through our website, also available through uh, the Church Center app. Just encourage you to continue to support the ministry and the work uh, of Emmaus Road as we kind of navigate how do we do ministry uh, uh, in this time. And we're going to have some updates this week about um, everything that we'll be doing. Lastly, I uh, just want to remind you that we will be uh, joining together for communion uh, during our time together this morning. So now is a great time uh, to gather elements for communion. Uh, whatever you have on hand is going to be great. So if it's bread, if it's crackers, if it's uh, juice, wine, if it's um, sparkling water, whatever you have on hand is going to work great for the elements. Uh, but this is a great time to kind of get those ready and we'll end our service uh, this morning but with me kind of leading us in a communion liturgy. So um, well, so let's go ahead and get started. And, and this week, um, you know, the world is changing so fast. This week we learned that almost all gathering spaces uh, have been closed, restaurants, uh, movie theaters, gyms, some retail stores. Uh, we got an email from our vet in our dentist office. Uh, all these places are, are closing. The number of cases of COVID-19 continue to rise at a rapid rate, and it can be really scary. Um, so I wanna open our time together this morning by reminding us that the consistent message from the heavens to the earth is do not fear. And the reason that we don't have to fear, and I mentioned this last week, but just wanna keep it in front of us as a consistent reminder, the reason that we don't have to be given over to fear in this time is that we are resurrection people. That in this season of uncertainty, uh, we can place our trust and our faith in the God of life who has not abandoned us, but is ever present with us as we navigate these new waters. Um, I think I might make this a habit, uh, at least during this season. But last week we began with a reading of Psalm 23, which is a psalm of comfort, assuring us that God is leading us, God is present with us, that he is our shepherd in this time. This morning, I want, to, I want to read and begin our service with a psalm of lament. Uh, because in these challenging times, uh, we must learn how to be emotionally and spiritually resilient. And one of the ways that Christians uh, throughout history have developed uh, resiliency is through the practice of lament. Lament allows us to be honest about the situation that we're facing, the circumstance in which we find ourselves but also moves us into trust of God uh, in, in the midst of it. Um, and so lament allows us and is a tool that we have, a practice that we can participate in that helps us develop this spiritual and emotional resiliency uh, in the midst of really uncertain times. And if you're anything like me, this feels like, uh, well, the most uncertain time that I've certainly ever faced in my lifetime. So I want to read a psalm of lament. I want to read it uh, carefully. I want to read it slowly. Uh, but I want you to notice the structure 
which is similar for all the Psalms of Lament throughout uh, the scriptures. And the structure is this. Psalms of Lament begin with a complaint. <laughs> they admit out loud that things are not as they should be, or they admit out loud that God seems distant, or it seems like God has abandoned us or left us. And, and Psalms of Lament are very honest about that, and that's where they often begin. But then comes, after this kind of complaint, comes a request. Uh, it's, it's this asking God to intervene, to heal us, to help us, to rescue us. And then most, not all, but most of the Psalms of Lament uh, also move to trust. A reminder that God is with us, that God is setting things right. Sometimes even when the work seems slow or invisible, uh, we move to trust as a sign of faith and a commitment to hope. So I want to read this morning as we begin our time, Psalm 13. I'm going to read it slowly. And uh, it's a personal lament, but we can also make it corporate um, in getting a sense of that we're all in this together. Um, and that all of us are kind of in this time of, of deep disorientation. Um, and so allow us to reflect on this. Notice the movements from complaint to request to trust. And uh, may it be um, a reflection of our own hearts and, and provide language for us in this time. This is Psalm 13 from the Book of Common Prayer. How long will you utterly forget me, O Lord? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I seek counsel in my soul and be so vexed in my heart? How long shall my enemy triumph over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes that I sleep not in death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him. For if I am cast down, those who trouble me will rejoice. But my trust is in your mercy. And my heart is joyful in your salvation. So I will sing of the Lord because he has dealt so lovingly with me. Indeed, I will praise the name of the Lord God most high. Amen and amen. A beautiful psalm of lament from Psalm chapter 13. Uh, let's um, move now to just kind of recognizing our need for the Savior, being assured of forgiveness uh, through this prayer. All capable God, we are made in your image and you have called us good. As a human family, we have enormous capacity for love, resilience, and virtue. We pray that in these uncertain times, the goodness of humanity would shine. And may we know that the goodness that we see comes from you as the source. We confess, though, that we are also capable of hate, cowardice, and evil. And in these uncertain times, there are some who seek to take advantage of the hurting through greed, deception, and other vices. Help us to see our own tendency toward evil. Have mercy on us and forgive us. Heal our hearts and mend our souls so that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And in our time of need, I would also add this prayer. O oh God, make speed to save us. O oh Lord, make haste to help us. And now may we find assurance. In the scripture found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, says, which says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Thanks be to God. I want to move into uh, a time of prayer for our situation that we're facing in the world. And uh, this is really why I wanted to make sure that I could see some comments. I've seen a couple of them uh, come through right at the beginning. 
There we go. I'm seeing more now. So here's what I want to encourage us to do. If you have a prayer request and if you're comfortable sharing it, uh, you can leave that in the comments, and I'll include that here in our time of prayer. Um, and in that in that way, it truly becomes a prayer of the people. It includes our own prayer requests that we're sharing as a community. Because um, it's one thing for you all to just listen to me pray and, and for us to be praying together for the things that are going on in our world. Uh, but it's another level for us to be able to share prayer requests with one another. And we recognize that these will be sh saved as comments on the Facebook post that where this video will be archived. So if you aren't comfortable sharing a request that you have, we certainly understand that. But for those that are, we want to be able to include your prayer requests in our time of prayer together. And so I want to lead us uh, in a time of prayer. Uh, I'll direct us. I'll also say a, a word of prayer. Um, and really keeping in mind uh, all the things that are going on in our world in particular, um, but recognizing that as even as COVID-19 has kind of captured all of our attention and all of our uh, energy right now, that there are certain things that still are going on, good things, celebrations, births, new life, uh, but also other challenges maybe uh, related to COVID-19, maybe that we're uh, happening in our lives before all of this came up. And so uh, we want to be able to really think of those. And so uh, let's begin our time of prayer, and I'll be trying to keep an eye out on comments as they come up. God, we come to you today recognizing that your goodness and your presence fills the entire earth. In a time where many of us are given over to fear or certainly tempted to be given over to it. I pray, God, that you would remind us that love is greater than fear, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of sound mind and of courage. And God, help us to remember the truth and to know and to live into the truth that your perfect love casts out all fear. And so God, help us in these times. God, we begin our time of prayer praying for those who are sick, those who have been physically infected with this disease. God, we pray for your healing. This week I learned of people close to me in my extended family that have contracted this disease, and, and it went from statistics to becoming more personal. And so I know that's probably the case for many of us. And so take a few moments here to pray as a family or there in your home, to pray for those who are sick. And whether we know those personally or, or have yet to know of someone, we can remember the global community that has been impacted by this disease in their bodies. So take a moment to pray for those who are sick. God, we pray for medical workers, those who are on the front lines providing care for the sick. God, we pray that you would protect them. Thank you for their diligence in training, their diligence in the work, their willingness, Lord, to work long and extra hours as hospitals and doctor's offices begin to fill up. Some become overwhelmed. God, we're thankful for those who are answering the call to go to the front lines. We pray, God, that you would provide strength, energy, clarity, discernment, protection for those who are quite literally taking up the, the call and the mantle of caring for the sick. Thank you for them. Empower them, God, we pray. Take a moment to pray for our medical workers. And now we think of those who are researchers, scientists, strategists, those who are members of the CDC, the World Health Organization, local authorities, 
who are all trying to navigate organizational leaders all trying to navigate how do we what are the best decisions that we need to make what are the this, the hard decisions that need to be made in order to protect employees and people and the health the, the public and so god we lift them up to you and pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment we thank you for their leadership and for their wisdom for those who have dedicated their lives uh, to serving the the good of the public We lift them up to you and ask that you would empower their work and bless their efforts. And God, now we pray for ourselves. We are made for community. We are made for connection and human touch. And yet we find ourselves in a season where we're not able to do that. Where the most loving thing we can do is keep physical distance from one another. So would you give us comfort in this time? Would you allow us and help us to know what it means to be a people of hope? God, we pray for those who are grieving loved ones who have died. And the thousands now, people are losing their lives to this disease, to other diseases and other ailments. So God, we pray for all those who are grieving. We also recognize, God, that in these moments, maybe it isn't lives that have been lost, but all of us have lost something or experienced some kind of disappointment. Praying now for members of our own community who have had the courage to share their requests, who have lost jobs or lost income, God, we pray for them, we lift them up. We think of the dares, we think of Vicky. And others, God's jobs are, are impacted. Those who are still going to work, who whose jobs maybe have been compromised, but there are others who work in these essential jobs who must go to work. And we think of God, everything from medical care workers to garbage collectors doing this essential work and everyone in between who must still go to work, who don't have the luxury of working from home. God, we pray for them, for your protection over them. We also pray now for our kiddos our school-age kiddos who themselves are having to like make adjustments to what life is going to look like and, and going from classroom and recess and time with friends and being able to see friends each day to now going to online school and not knowing exactly what that's going to look like and, and parents navigating how do we work from home, how do we facilitate online school and, and how do we work out this scheduling and all of us just kind of our lives uprooted and disoriented and, and having to establish these new normals, at least for a season. And so, God, we, we pray that that even in the midst of these changes, God, that we would be a people of resilience, that we would learn to navigate these changes. And that in the midst of all of these things, that you would be present, um, that you would help kids to continue in their learning, uh, that you would find, that you would help us to be creative in finding ways to stay connected to friends and to family. Um, and God, that the, I'm just reminded of the lyrics of the song by John Mark McMillan that say, life is fragile and yet it still keeps going on. It can't be stopped. So God, thank you for life. And even though life looks differently in these days, I pray that it would continue on. And also recognizing, God, there are many, many anxieties. There are many Uh, some falling into depression with so many hours at home. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lift our spirits and that we somehow would would find um, ways that that we can honor you um, and that we can be freed from the chains of depression, the chains of anxiety. We want to be honest about those things. We want to face them head on. Uh, We don't want to just pretend they're not there. So, God, help us not to avoid those things, but to be overcomers. 
And so God, help us in these days. And God, we also have family members uh, living internationally. Um, we have family members around the world, ourselves included, who um, maybe are in different parts of the country that are more deeply affected than we have, have yet to be. And so God, we uh, pray for their health, for their protection, for your presence to be with them. And Lord, I want to end our time of prayer by recognizing that even though these are dark and uncertain times, we recognize that there are still celebration and new life. And so God, for those having babies and celebrating new life, we give thanks. For daffodils peeking out of the ground, for grass that is greening, and for signs of spring, Lord, we give you thanks. For right around this time every year, we look at creation itself as it bursts forth in new life. And so God, may we hold on to those signs of hope that you are making all things new. So God, we give you thanks and we give you praise. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for those who shared prayer requests in the comments and um, recognizing and seeing now that many of you have either lost jobs or have reduced incomes. And if there's any way that, that we can help uh, as a church family, please do not hesitate to contact us, to reach out to us, uh, to me personally via cell phone, email. Um, we'll be doing our best to check um, messages as they come into the office. Um, but if there's any way that we can help, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, we have a church family. You have a church family that loves you, and we want to care for one another in these days. And so we encourage you to reach out. Uh, well, let me move to uh, the sermon for this morning. And uh, this morning we were scheduled to begin, and, and we'll continue with that schedule, uh, beginning a brand new series called, called Simply Church. And my original inspiration for this series was to build on last year's series called Why Church Matters. Uh, my goal in the series last year was to address how and why church remains relevant in the 21st century among maybe a generation that seems to be deconstructing faith, seeing all the imperfections of church. Uh, it occurred to me that maybe we touched on it, but perhaps there was an earlier and prior question that we need to spend some more time on, which was, what is the church? What is the church supposed to be? Uh, and, and that's really the core question that I want to kind of be addressing in this series. And the timing of this is all uncanny, right? Because this, uh, this pandemic has, has, is challenging all of us on what church looks like and what it should be at this time, right? If you all of a sudden take away the ability to meet in physical space together uh, and you start taking away programs, uh, then it really makes us kind of ask difficult questions about what is the church? How do we continue to be the church? Um, and and after, kind of coming back after this season, what do we bring back? What is necessary to the life of the church? And, and the truth is I don't have the answer to all of those questions. Those are questions that I'm asking and trying to, to faithfully engage um, and really praying for discernment, right? On, on kind of how do we uh, not just kind of make it through uh, but how do we take this as a learning opportunity, as a, as a moment of discerning what is the true nature of the church? And, and so to talk about the church, the scripture um, often employs metaphors, right? Like, like the church is this kind of this deeply mysterious, multifaceted, uh, global reality that for sure, like language, regular language often falls short, that you just can't explain it in a sentence. And so when regular language fails us, we often have to employ metaphors. And that's, that's what the scripture does all of the time to talk about the church. The, the, the scriptures never offer us kind of narrative prose or bullet points on what the church is. What it does and what the scriptures do uh, is consistently employ different metaphors to help describe the reality of the church. 
Um, and, and so I want to focus in on three metaphors. Uh, today I want to talk about the body out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from the Apostle Paul. Uh, next week, I want to talk about the metaphor of a shelter from the storm out of Matthew chapter 7 uh, from Jesus. And then uh, in week three of the series, I want to talk about uh, the church as an alternative city out of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and we don't know the author of, the, of Hebrews. Um, and I, what I think is these three metaphors will help give us language for what the church is, uh, what the church is supposed to be, maybe help give us some clarity on how do we continue to lean in to how do we continue to do and be the church uh, in this uh, unprecedented time and in this season. So, uh, so that's kind of the plan for the next three weeks. Uh, let me read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible with you or if you want to click there, you can uh, follow along with me. I'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12 through verse 26. Uh, and I'm reading out of the NRSV. Uh, but it says this, For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are, are one, are one body, so it is with Christ. For uh, in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. For if we were all a single member, we, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many members, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again uh, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But on the contrary, those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this, do not need this. So, but God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there will be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, um, what's interesting is that in the ancient world, drawing a comparison between the human body and human societies was not original to the Apostle Paul at all. In fact, many teachers, uh, many wisdom teachers, uh, were doing this in the ancient world. It was a commonplace uh, for teachers to employ this same metaphor. What's different about the Apostle Paul is the is what the meaning that he draws out of the metaphor or the conclusion that he draws from it. Because typically the, the metaphor of the body was employed in order to urge members of the lower social class to stay in their place so that they don't upset the natural equilibrium of the body. Uh, in other words, it was trying to keep lower class members kind of in their place, right? Uh, to prevent a rebellion against more superior social class members. Uh, in other words, the body metaphor was essentially used to say, you are stuck in your social class, accept it and stay there. But Paul, does not do this, right? What Paul does is he uses the body metaphor to urge more privileged members to show respect and to honor those who are most vulnerable and along social margins. So instead of using the body metaphor to uphold social class differences, the apostle Paul uses the body metaphor to actually uproot or disroot the entire system of social classification. So in a sense, he uses the body metaphor to teach the people of God a lesson that we have all been learning right now, which is we are all in this together. And he drives that point home through two main ideas or two key ideas. And the first idea is that diversity is to be celebrated. The diversity is to be celebrated. So diversity is indigenous to the concept of the body, 
right? That we have different body parts doing different things, fulfilling different functions, but all working in harmony. In other words, diversity in the body of Christ is not a challenge that needs to be overcome in order to achieve unity. Diversity is necessary for a healthy functioning body. And that is a real turn of, of understanding, especially according to how other people uh, in the ancient world were understanding this metaphor, right? I want to, so I want to say it again. Diversity is not a challenge to overcome in order to achieve unity. Rather, diversity is necessary for a healthy functioning body. Now, I say this while recognizing the difficulty and propensity of any gathering of people to become homogenous, right? And, and the church included. In other words, churches tend to be formed around common uh, cultural expressions. We're all white. We're all middle class. We're all from the, or maybe we're all from the same denominational background, or we're all from the same political persuasion, et cetera, et cetera. This is a natural tendency for most groups, and the church is not exempt from that. Uh, the church uh, tends to do this as well. But Paul is essentially saying that we are better off when we have uh, different expressions, different perspectives, um, whether that be from, uh, again, political persuasion, uh, theological perspectives, culture, language, etc., uh, where the church is enriched by the variety of perspectives. Now, that doesn't make it easy. In fact, it makes it hard. The easiest way to do church is to become homogenous. We all look the same way. We all uh, believe the same things. We all think the same way about uh, theology or po politics or whatever. Uh, so it's far easier to become homogenous, but far more difficult to lean into the reality uh, the diversity is to be celebrated, and it makes the body of Christ stronger. The second key idea, and, and really where I want to kind of hone in this morning, is that Paul uses the body metaphor to promote cooperation toward a shared vision. Uh, we might call this interdependence, where we depend on one another. And, and man, there is no time uh, like right now, where we're learning how much we truly depend on one another. Um, he essentially says that in order for the body to function properly, each part must do its part, right? Um, again, Paul does not say this in order to keep the, quote, lower class in order, but he flips the narrative on its head and says the, the lower parts are essential and are to be honored. The eyes and head cannot scorn the hands and feet, because with them they would have without them they would have no power to act. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with Aesop's Fables, but I was reminded of of one of Aesop's Fables um, during this, and and that is it's the fable of the belly and the members. And I could explain it to you, but it's really short, so I'll just I'll just read it to you. Uh, it has many different versions. This is one of the versions of Aesop's Fable: the belly and its members. And, and I think it. Uh, really speaks into the truth that Paul is trying to get across here. Uh, it says this, One day it occurred to the members of the body that they were doing all of the work, while the belly had all of the food. So they held a meeting, and they decided to strike until the belly consented to do its proper share of the work. Now for a day or two, the hands refused to take food. The mouth refused to receive it and the teeth therefore had no work to do. And after a day or two, the members began to find that they themselves were in poor condition. The hands could hardly move. The mouth was parched and dry, while the legs were unable to support the rest. Thus, even the belly was doing necessary work for the body, and all must work together, or the body will go to pieces. Now we could use this to talk about as, as many pastors have that in the midst of all of our program, we all have something to offer, but sharing that message in this time wouldn't really connect, right? It wouldn't make any sense with programs basically all being canceled or moved online. And so I want to pull out what I feel like is, is one of Paul's kind of key thoughts about the interdependence. And it goes something like this. I, this is his logic. Since diversity is essential to the healthy functioning of the body, differences should not just be tolerated, 
but members of the body should care for one another. I want to say that again, since diversity is essential to the healthy functioning of the body, differences should not just be tolerated, but members of the body should help to care for one another. So he envisions not just tolerance of differences, but compassionate synergy in which all the members share one another's joys and sorrows. Compassionate synergy where members of the body share one another's joys and sorrows. Wow, what a powerful, powerful message. In thinking about how do we create that in the world in which we live now, um, it's looking more and more like we're not going to be able to meet for a while. Um, as you've probably heard, the CDC, along with the Colorado Department of Health, along with the Larimer County Health Department, have all put out guidelines that no gatherings of more than 50 people for the next eight weeks. So with this in mind, I, I want to take a few moments uh, to let you know at least our initial plans of how to kind of navigate this together, of how do we help sustain and even create compassionate synergy uh, among us as a church body in this time? And how do we stay connected to one another and to hope? Um, we have a couple plans we're going to be like an, announcing and letting you know of some more things, but a couple things that we're ready to mention this morning are this. We'll continue to gather online each Sunday at 10 a.m. Um, we are looking into strategies of how to bring this to more platforms that would allow more interaction in the online space. Uh, but until further notice, we'll be right here on Facebook Live. Um, and then beginning uh, Friday, this Friday, this coming Friday, and then each Friday after that, we're going to be sending out service resources so that you all can be prepared at home for us to have uh, a more robust service. Now, I can talk forever, and I love talking to you guys, right? Uh, this is a little different venue. I'm probably way more comfortable in terms of big crowds than I am in front of a camera. So, uh, but that being said, um, we want you to be prepared to engage with us as we kind of move to, or at least toward, um, what might be a little more normal worship service online for us. Uh, these resources will go out uh, on Friday, and it will include things like the corporate prayers that we'll be saying together, the sermon notes, graphics, anything else that you'll need for engage, to engage in the service. You can even think of it this way. Uh, anything that uh, would be up on the screens in the sanctuary uh, will, be me, will be made available to download uh, so that you have it with you. And those will go out via email to our newsletter subscribers, also be made available for download on our website, and also uh, on Facebook as well. The other thing that we are uh, wanting to do is, is recognizing that we are an intentionally intergenerational church. And um, I'm not exactly uh, Mr. Rogers, right? Like this isn't, <laughs> this isn't, uh, this may come across as boring for your kids. Uh, but we want to make sure that your kids are continually uh, developed spiritually. And so beginning this Wednesday, March 25th, Grace will be sharing uh, a 10 to 15 minute children's lesson via Facebook Live uh, right at 10 a.m. on March 25th. So we're calling this Facebook Live for Kids. Uh, and that will happen 10 a.m. this Wednesday. We encourage you to tune in as the programming will, will be specifically designed for children that are eKids aged. Parents are, of course, welcome to watch along with, uh, with a lot, watch along as well. And then also going out on Wednesdays will be parent resources for engaging children during this time. Maybe it's spiritual formation activities for the home. Maybe it's activity ideas uh, during physical distancing. Uh, it could be anything in between. But our commitment to you is to continue to offer great family ministry. Um, and that, that commitment remains the same. And also, if you have any ideas of what you'd like to see during uh, these online services or how we can stay connected, um, then we encourage you to not hesitate to share those ideas. But again, the the but the metaphor for the body of Christ is not just about us caring for one another or us reaching out to one another or having this compassionate synergy. That's so important. We need to do everything we can to maintain that, especially in this time. But here's the other thing I would want to say is I'm, I'm struck by how John begins his gospel. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He goes on 
to say in verse 14 of John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now the word became flesh. The, the Greek word for word is the, is the word logos. It means logic or reason or message. And so John begins his gospel. In the beginning was the logos and the logos was with God and the logos was God and the logos became flesh. In other words, what God wanted to say to the world was a message that he enfleshed. In other words, God was like, the most important thing I want to say to humanity, I'm not just going to put in print on a page, but I'm going to send as a message, I'm going to send the message as a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Think about that. The most important thing that God wanted to say to humanity, he decided not to just put on a printed page, but to send that message as a person. Because that way, the message of God could be seen, it could be touched, it could be experienced as well as heard. And here's what I want us to recognize. All these thousands of years later, after Jesus came to us in the flesh, is that God has not given up on this project of having his message enfleshed in the world. I love the little hearts and stuff. That's, it makes it a lot easier for you guys to say amen, right? <laughs> so thank you. Keep those uh, hearts and emojis coming. You guys are much more vocal online than you are even in person, which is great. The most important thing that God wants to say in the world is in the person. It's enfleshed. And so I think since God has not given up on this project, uh, the mechanism to do that, that he's chosen to continue to do that, is in fact the church. The, The mechanism that he's chosen to do that is the church. And this is why we are called the body of Christ. The body of Christ. So that together, as the people of God, we are to put flesh and bone to the message of Jesus. And this is why, this is why I pray, and this is why we continue to pray, that the global body of Christ would be strengthened during this crisis. May we do our best not to be driven by fear, but to be prisoners of hope and to share the message of hope to the world. So that the message that Jesus has to say, the message that God has to share with the world in these times is not one of fear, but one of hope. But it's so easy just to say that. It's so easy just to, to put that to words. How much harder is it for that message to become enfleshed in the people of God? And that's what I've been working on. Man, like I'm an Enneagram 9, which means when I'm not secure or in insecurity, I move to 6 and sixes tend to be anxious. They tend to be the worriers. And man, I've seen that that come out so much in my own life uh, in this last week, in this last two weeks. As all of this just becomes more real, I found myself kind of being given over to fear in some moments, in some ways. I'm working really hard on how do I begin to enflesh the message of hope uh, and the message of love uh, in this time. But we have some ideas of how we can stay connected to one another, this compassionate synergy. But the, but the church is the word of God continually at work in the world. And so to that end, we are brainstorming ideas for how to continue ministry to marginalized popul- populations, how we can continue protecting vulnerable people from, from the spread of the disease. And so here's what we've done so far. We encourage you to share your ideas. And as a leadership, we're going to continue talking about how we can do this. But I want to let you know that I have, re- I have personally reached out to Parkwood Estates and asked them to let me know if there's any way that we can be of help to the residents that are there. We won't be having game nights at Parkwood Estates for the foreseeable future. I think that's probably a given, right? We won't be doing that, but that doesn't mean that our ministry to our neighbors at Parkwood Estates has to stop. And so I've reached out to them and I've said, please let me know if any of your residents have errands that need to be run uh, or anything that we can do at all uh, to reach out to me personally. 
Uh, and then I have the opportunity then to reach out to you. Now, I don't know if anyone will take us up on that, but I wanted to let you know that that's something that I have at least tried to make available. The other thing that we're gonna, we're gonna do is members of our staff will be reaching out to Parkwood Estates and to see if they're receptive to an idea that we had this week, which was, could we start a pen pal program uh, with the members there? Where members of our church, uh, maybe children, teens, or others, would write physical notes of encouragement and love to residents on a regular basis and would love to hear notes back from them. And, and what, a, what a great way in the midst of social and physical distancing uh, to be able to reach out and uh, show love to, the, to them. So that's what we have going uh, in terms of ideas just on how to love our neighbors at Parkwood Estates. Um, again, we don't know how much they'll receive or how open they are to these ideas, but we want to be able to offer that as signs of hope and making uh, the message of Jesus enfleshed in the world. And if you have ideas, uh, we would love to hear your ideas, both on how we can be compassionately synergistic with one another uh, as a body of Christ, uh, but also how we can continue uh, to do ministry in the world. Uh, this is a time where we all must be creative as we seek to, to know uh, and to understand the way forward and to continue to be the church, not just do church, right? Doing church online, we can do that. We have the resources. Uh, it's not the same, but we can do it. The, the real challenge is how do we continue to be the church? Uh, and that's what we want to lean into. So, well, thanks be to God. Thank you for your attention. I want to say a word of prayer, and then I'll uh, lead us in the table together, uh, to the table. So uh, if you have some elements for communion, uh, now is a great time to, to grab those and um, look forward to a time of gathering around the Lord's table together. Um, Heavenly Father, today we're so thankful for your presence in our lives. We confess that your presence fills the whole earth. And so now we pray that you would be present with us in this time of gathering together uh, as we remember your death and resurrection. Uh, may we be a people of hope. May we be a, a resurrection people. Uh, the God, we uh, serve the God of life. Um, and we, we recognize that in these challenging days, in these days where sickness and death seem to be so prevalent and are so prevalent, God, we hold on to hope. We hold on to the confession that you are making all things new, that you are at work in the world, even when the progress seems slow or seems to have um, stilled or stopped or even gone backward. Uh, and yet, God, we maintain our trust in your character that you have revealed to us on the cross, that you are God, um, not of power over or of demand or of anger or of wrath, but you are a God of self-sacrificial love. And so, God, help us to love our neighbors and help us to love one another well uh, in this season. Give us creativity. Give us discernment. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I lead us to the table this morning, I want to remind us that we believe that Christ is present with us as we receive these elements. We also believe that the presence of Christ fills the whole world. Therefore, I believe that participating in this act together brings us into greater unity uh, with God and with one another. So as we receive the elements together, uh, I want us to do this. I want us to take a moment to picture, I want to take us to picture other members of Emmaus in their homes in receiving communion and, and know that even in these days, uh, where we love each other by keeping our distance. The presence of God unites us, and we are one at his table. Uh, last week, I was so moved uh, just by picturing all of you um, in your living rooms um, receiving communion together, that, that the presence of Christ mysteriously brings us together as one, even as we participate in the supper together. So let's grab our elements. I have mine here. Let me lead us together. The communion supper is a sacrament which proclaims the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a means of grace for us in which we believe Christ is present and active to form our lives according to his will. We receive this meal not only in remembrance of what Christ has done, 
but with hope of his coming again in the day when all things will be made new. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit of God. So in unity with the church throughout the ages, we confess our faith together by saying, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. On the night on which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to to his disciples, and he said, Drink it, all of you. Do this in remembrance of me, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to God in praise and thanksgiving. Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts. Make them by the power of your spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we may be for the world the body of Christ that has been redeemed by his blood. So by your spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now let us pray together out loud where you are, the prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now this is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for you. Preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. And this is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that's been shed for you. Preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you for those who shared, uh, for those of you who shared your prayer requests. Thank you so much. And now I offer this benediction to you. May we go into this week driven by hope, confident in the goodness of God and his presence with us. As we navigate this disorienting time, may we hold on to the anchor that is Jesus Christ who can orient us to new realities based on resurrection and love. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll be in touch with you more this week to let you know some plans moving ahead. And we'll see you in digital space online next week. Thanks be to God.